was having my breakfast this morning, and um, I happened to open Facebook up while I was eating my muesli. Um, so you just got this picture of me sat there, crunching away. Um, and this popped up. This is from Irene, um, that she'd put on a Facebook page this morning. It just seemed really apt, actually. Um, it's a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was um, a great Baptist preacher of years gone by, and he just says this. He says, so be of good cheer. You can tell it's written quite a long time ago. So be of good cheer, for Jesus Christ will come to you even when all is dark around you. And here is another word of cheer for you, namely, that when he does come, it will be in a way that will give you a higher sense of his glory than you ever had before. You have seen him on the land, but you have yet to see him on the water. Well, you could not see him walking on the water unless you were on the water yourself. And you could not see Christ calming the storm unless there was a storm to be quieted. And if the wind did not blow, you could not tell whether he could control it or not. Trial is absolutely necessary in order to reveal to us something of the attributes of the goodness and graciousness of God. I just love that. and just really fits in with what we're looking at this morning as we turn to look at praying for one another. Can I just pray for us? And then we will be opening God's word in a moment. Yeah, Lord, we thank you that you do come to us in the times of trial. And we pray, Lord, whatever situation we're in today, whether we're in the place of blessing and a place of abundance, or whether we are in a place of trial, that we may know something of the reality of your spirit amongst us. We thank you for the blessings of one another. We thank you that as we continue to look at reconnecting with you and with each other, that we are just discovering more about who you are and what we're called to be. So as we open your word together this morning, would you bless us and equip us to be ever more closely following you? And we ask it in your name. Amen. Well, the week before last was our week of prayer, and um, I was preaching at Partington last week, so I, I wasn't here, if you like, live to hear all the sort of feedback from the week of prayer. But just to say, if there are things you still want to feedback about the week of prayer, do come and let me or one of the leaders know, or speak to Andrea and we would love to feed that into our service. It's always great to hear what God has been doing amongst us. But what is prayer? Anyone want to shout something out? What is prayer? Talking to, God. Talking to and listening to God. Yeah, we've got that twice in stereo. Fantastic. Let's go with that. That is at his most basic what prayer is. But prayer is the way that God has ordained the world. Because prayer is, is partnering with God in his kingdom purposes. We are called to pray. We are called to have this deep relationship with God. <clears throat> now, we can pray alone, can't we? And I hope we all do pray alone. I hope that is something that we do. We can pray together. We can pray in church meetings. We can pray in prayer meetings. We can pray anywhere at any time. But this morning, what I specifically want us to look at is praying for one another. So if you've got a Bible in front of you, I want to turn to James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Um, I recorded Sam reading this earlier in the week, so we're going to have a listen to it, and it's going to appear on the screen. So let's watch the reading for this morning. Today's reading is James 5, verses 13 to 20. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other 
and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So if you've got that passage, do keep that open. We will be sort of going um, back into that. But I, I just want to talk about lecterns for a moment. It's not, not a common com conversation starter, is it really? But this lectern that sits here every week, just, just look at it. I'm going to move this out of the way, otherwise you won't be able to see it over there. And I'm hoping online you can see this, this lectern as well. Um, it's probably made of oak. Is, is that right? Any woodworkers amongst us? Yeah, a few nods. It's probably made of oak. It's, it's shiny. Um, it's solid. And it looks quite respectable. Now, I want to let you in on something this morning. This lectern is a fraud because I'm going to turn it round for you. So brace yourself. I'm going to try not to trap that wire in there. Do you want to have a look at what's behind here? Look at the fraud that this lectern is. If you can't see, stand up so you can see it. Now, in here is all kinds of random stuff that's accumulated probably over the last millennia. Um, <laughs> So there's some useful stuff in here. There's things like there's a couple of spare Bibles. Um, there's a, a service book, just in case anybody happens to want to get married and we're not aware of it. The words are in there. Um, there's some spare communion stuff in case we run out. Um, some stuff that's really useful. Some stuff that's a bit random. Um, I'm not sure why there's a towel in here, probably from a baptism. There's some pens down there in case we happen to need pens at any point. And then there's just a load of clutter. Can you see the clutter? Literal rubbish. This is from the last birthday slot, and we haven't thrown it away yet. That is an empty um, cake box. There is a pair of scissors, there's some matches, probably from Christmas. It just goes on and on. I'll just leave that there so, so you can see it for the moment. Is there a, no, there's no prawn in there, Nick. <laughs> there's no prawn in there. The prawn is now safely in the bin. But thinking about lecterns, I think I'm a bit like this lectern, actually. I think what I do, and you can probably relate to this as well, is we show a respectable side of ourselves to one another. But actually, what is going on in our lives, to some degree or other, is a bit like this. There is good stuff in our lives. I'm hoping all of us have good stuff in our lives. It may be you know, real desire to serve God, to go on and discipleship. It may be that actually there's stuff in there that we're not sure why it's there, but it's there anyway, and it, it just happens. And then there's the kind of stuff that is rubbish. You know, it might just be pain of past hurts. It might be sin. It might be guilt. It could be all kinds of things, but it's just rubbish, and it clutters our life up. Now, I'm just going to leave that that way around, just so you can keep an eye on it as we look through this passage. Do we find that with one another, we sometimes wear a mask of respectability? We don't let each other in that much. When we say, how are you? What do we say? I'm fine, thank you. Now, let's just be honest. You know, it would be a bit difficult if when everyone said, how are you? And you then went to talk about all the stuff that was in your life. We'd never get anywhere. But sometimes, in some places, there are times when opening up and encouraging one another to be real 
and open is just what the Lord calls us to do. I think sometimes as Christians, what, what we can also run into the trap of doing is thinking that this rubbish won't be dealt with in this life. It will in the life to come, and we say amen to that. You know, God will wipe away all the tears, all the pain, and we hang on to that truth. But what we forget to do is realize that actually God has stuff to do in us this side of eternity. And quite often we can miss out on those blessings because we simply don't pray. So we're going to have a look at this reading this morning. James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Now, you may be sat here thinking, it's not long ago since we looked at this passage. And you would be right. It was only June when we last looked at the book of James. Now, I'm not going to do what a lecturer at college did once, which was to go to the same church twice and preach exactly the same sermon. Um, I haven't just downloaded this from, from back in June and preaching it again. By the way, nobody noticed. That was the best part about that. Nobody noticed it was the same sermon. But there is a verse here. We're going to particularly look at this through the lens of praying for one another. And James says this at the start. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Now the word trouble there is an all-encompassing word. It's a word that doesn't mean just one thing or another, but it means all the troubles of this life. Is anyone in trouble this morning? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure we could all put our hand up. We are all facing some kind of troubles. And if we're not, certainly the nation that we live in is, certainly the world that we live in is facing trouble. And so what is the call? Well, the call is to pray. Now, James is the brother of Jesus. He's writing to predominantly a Jewish audience, an audience who'd be familiar with the Old Testament. And so as he says, is anyone in trouble? The minds of this first um, sort of congregations might be taken back to the Old Testament, to some of the prophets who lived through trouble. Just look at these. These were some of the heroes of the Old Testament and the troubles they faced. Jeremiah faced opposition to his ministry. Hosea, if you read that prophet, he, he faced the trauma of marital breakdown. Elijah, after the, the fire had been called down um, on the altar during the, 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 sort of the time with the prophets of Baal and the, the altar is consumed, the wood is consumed, what happens is he goes off into the wilderness and he sinks into a deep depression. And God ministers to him in his time of trouble. Ezekiel, like so many of us, goes through the pain of bereavement. John Calvin, the reformer, said, there is no time in which God does not invite us to himself. Just think about that for a moment. It doesn't matter what trouble we're in, what life is throwing at us today, there is no time at which God doesn't want to draw alongside us and bless us. So James offers not a quick-fix solution to the problems of this life, but actually ways of living, of ministering to one another and to seeing an increased abundance of God's shalom, in this life. You know, shalom, that word, that Hebrew word that sort of means peace and wholeness in front of God. And so there are two complementary ways of praying with one another. I'm just going to move this back. I can't see it as well on that side for some strange reason. It's amazing what you get used to, isn't it? And I'm going to look at two different ways of praying. The first one is about praying on our own. Personal prayer, that kind of prayer that we do in the secret place. And the second is about praying for each other. So let's have a look at personal prayer. Verse 13 is a call to pray when we face trouble. Now life is full of many issues, isn't it? Some are big and some are small. Now we had our Christmas um, leaders meal out 
in um, this week, and we went out for a, a meal on Tuesday night. It was a bit delayed because we couldn't find time before Christmas. And you know how conversation goes when you, you're with a, a sort of fairly big group of people. You get talking about all kinds of random things. And much to Sarah's amusement, I don't know why she found this particularly funny, I was recounting how I managed to fall over three times over the Christmas period, each in very sort of comedy sort of moments. Um, I actually hurt myself on a couple of times. But what happened? First time was this. I was putting some coffee grinds from the coffee machine onto the church garden and went out down the steps, you know, the far end of the lounge. During rain, it was a rainy time, and I went, and my foot just went on the step. And I went bang on my back. And I cut all my back open, and, and it was quite painful. It was really quite painful. I, I recovered. I recovered. And then during that really cold spell, you know, just before Christmas, I was walking the dog, and I'd done really well. I'd stayed on my feet. And it was evening. I was playing for Nicola that evening in the Christmas meditation up at High Lee. And my foot just went under me on the ice, and I went bang. Hit my hip, hit my arm, hit my face. Ooh, that made a funny noise. And my face sort of swelled up at that point, but it went down again, and I recovered. Recovered from that, what happens two weeks ago, I was walking through Victoria Park and walked again on a patch of ice. And Claire is shaking her head down here. She's like, I don't know how you did this a third time. What happened? Well, you can imagine. My foot went again, and I banged down, and I whacked my hip, and I whacked my arm. Um, thankfully, I don't know how I've managed it, but I didn't particularly injure myself in, in those three situations. Now, I did pray. I prayed when I laid down that night because my hip was really sore. And I was like, Lord, please help me just to go to sleep. You know, I know I'll recover, but please help me to sleep. And that was fine. I didn't put it um, round to friends to pray for or anything like that. It was okay just me and God doing that kind of thing. But, you know, it's not always okay for it just to be me and God. Sometimes we have situations in our life that we just cannot handle on our own. Sometimes stuff happens that is far more serious, and we need one another to pray with us. Now, sometimes also this, this applies to sin as well. We won't really go down this road this morning, but James talks about confessing sin. And sometimes if I've sinned before God, but it's not involved another person, I can do that confession on my own. I don't need to go and apologize to anyone else because it's just between me and God. Now, we need to ask for wisdom. We need to ask for wisdom from the Lord as to when do I just pray on my own and when do I seek to pray with other people? When is it okay for me to just try and deal with it? And when is it okay and when is it right to go and step in and ask somebody else to pray? You know, I think there are two risks that churches can fall into. And one is this. We, we can um, hide everything away. We can be like the lectern. And we can not let anybody in or we can be like the turned-round lectern and overshare. And we sort of let everything spill out all of the time. Now, I think as a church family, we are probably more like the shiny lectern than the about-turned lectern. I think, for the most part, can I encourage us to be a bit more like this? Just to let one another in so that we can pray for one another and lift one another up before the Lord. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how the church is a bit like an A&E department? how we're like the hospital for, for people, all of us who are broken, coming to the Lord Jesus, seeking healing and seeking wholeness from the Lord. Now, when you go to A&E, as much as possible, if you're able to answer the questions, the professionals will say, what kind of pain are you experiencing? Where does it hurt? Those kind of questions. And it's open and it's honest. And that's the kind of openness and honesty that James starts to encourage us to be like. So we move on, and this is where I really want to, pray, uh, to focus on today, is praying 
for one another. Praying absolutely can be personal. And let's hope that we do pray on that individual level. But we also are called to pray for one another, for people that we care about. And we can do this personally, can't we? You know, when the prayer chain comes in, we pray. We pray for those in our church family who we care about. But James's point is that we're not just praying for other people, but we are to pray with other people. And that is a significant difference. Um, I'm just going to read to you an email that I got um, yesterday evening. And this is about the church in the States. It's, it's not about the church here. Um, but I think this is probably true for us as well. And it talks about the death of the prayer meeting. It talks about the, just listen to this. It says, prayer is by far the most common spiritual practice amongst Americans. It's also true if you survey people in this country, if they are involved in any spiritual practices, it doesn't matter what God they're praying to, they pray. People pray to God. It is the most common spiritual practice. But people mostly pray alone. It is a solitary activity defined primarily by the immediate needs and concerns of the individual. Corporate prayer and corporate needs are less compelling drivers in people's prayer lives. But what would it look like to begin to broaden the scope of these prayer lives, to consider the power of corporate prayer when more than one are gathered in God's name? And what this this article went on to say was it said, so often in churches, what is happening is that we're all praying, but we're just praying on our own. We're not praying jointly. We're not praying for one another. We're not getting in that impassioned prayer where we're interceding for other people. Now, the prayer meeting is absolutely part of that praying corporately. We have four prayer meetings each week in church. Please do, if you can, come along to one or or any of them. Monday night, 8 o'clock. Sunday morning before the service at 10 o'clock. And then we have the prayers for blessing on a Tuesday and Thursday morning at 8.30. But James actually has in mind something even more than the prayer meeting. He has in mind this ministering to one another. And so first of all, he moves us to the kind of confidential prayer where you seek prayer from the leadership of the church. Look at verse 14. There comes the call to get the leaders, the elders of the church to pray for those who are sick. To minister the Lord's healing, to anoint with oil. Now, we did look at this passage back in June. I'm not going to cover all that we said. If you really want to know what I said about this, you can go back on YouTube, and I'm sure it's there somewhere. You'll have to go and find it. Um, but this is the first journey that James takes us into, into shared prayer. And it's seeking out the leadership to come and pray for you and to minister God's healing in your life. But just to point out in verse 14, if you've got the Bible in front of you, rather than make the sick person well, the better translation here is to raise the sick person up, to raise them up. Now, God does heal. I believe that. I believe that God is a God of miracles. He's the same God who parted the Red Sea. He's the same God who who came and walked amongst us in flesh and did all the miracles that we see in the New Testament. I believe that God can do that miraculously today to physical bodies. I believe he can do it to our minds and to our emotions. I believe it because that's what the Bible says. I believe it because I've seen it. And that is what I think we're called to do. We're called to pray that God, the God of miracles, continues to work. But God often uses other ways to bring healing. Often uses the hands of surgeons or the conversations with a therapist or a counsellor. And it's worth noting at this point that actually Luke, who wrote the gospel and who wrote the book of Acts, was a physician. He was a doctor. And he sees no conflict whatsoever between the miraculous and the caring professions. 
And as I think so often, we see those things working in tandem. This is not a blanket promise that as soon as you get the elders to pray with you, everything is healed. But what it is, is saying, actually, we come before God, who is able to raise us up in the troubles of this life. Sometimes that means the miracle. Sometimes it means that sense of God's presence. Sometimes it means just that renewed trust in God. Now, one way I think that this is really helpful to think about it is in terms of what Moses did back in Exodus. I don't know if you're familiar with this part of the book of Exodus. Exodus 17, verses 11 to 13. There's a battle going on between the people of Israel and the Amalekites. And Moses is there. He's not in the fighting, but he's stood on the the sidelines. And it says this, As long as Moses held up his arms, the Israelites won. But when he put his arms down, the Amalekites started winning. When Moses' arms grew tired, Aaron and Hur brought a stone for him to sit on. While they stood beside him and helped... Sorry, that's not right, is it? Help, beside him and help us his arms. I think it should be held up his arms. Holding them steady until the sun went down. In this way, Joshua totally defeated the Amalekites. So you've got Moses, who was stood there with his arms up, and then he gets tired, so they get him a stone to sit on. So he sat down, he's got two people holding his arms up on either side, raising his arms up. And I get that, that impression that this is actually what James is getting at as well. You know, sometimes in life we get tired and weary. We can't hold our, our own arms up. And we need other people to come alongside us and to grab hold of us and in prayer to support our arms. Now, in the, in the Bible, the, the image of the raised hands to heaven is an image of surrender before God, of worship before God. We see that in the Psalms. We see that here in Exodus. We see it when Solomon is dedicating the temple And we get a New Testament reference here in 1 Timothy. Therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands. And so as Moses prays and he implores heavens for victory, as long as his arms are up and he's heavenward, victory comes. The minute his arms start to get tired, victory goes to the other side. And then others stand in the gap. They can't carry the full burden, but they can stand in the gap and help support him. You know, we need people to stand in the gap for us sometimes, don't we? We need others to pray for us when actually the burdens of this life just get too great. And we need others to be there. And the first instance that James talks about is this, is from the gathered leadership of the church. Now, it's really important here as well that it says, call the elders. It doesn't say the elders will call you. I just think that's a really important thing to note here. It's not the leadership's job to go around trying to poke our nose in and seeing who wants prayer. But it's actually the responsibility of every Christian to say, I need prayer at the moment. Please, could you come and pray with me? And I don't think we just restrict this to elders here. This could be anybody in a, a leadership role. It may be your small group leaders, whoever it is. If you want somebody to pray with you, you know, we've got to get better at putting our hand up and saying, could you pray with me? I'm in need of some arm holding at the moment. My arms are tired and I need somebody else just to come alongside me. And we pray for the miracle. God sometimes steps in in miracles. But sometimes God just brings that sense of his peace and his wholeness. Let's have a culture where we're actually willing to let people in to this side of the lectern and to pray with us and for us. But James won't leave it there. Prayer for healing is not just the responsibility of Jesus and the apostles. It's for the whole church. But it's not just for the leadership of the church. 
but it's for absolutely everybody to take part in. Look what he says a little bit further down in this passage. It says in verse 16, pray for each other that you may be healed. Pray for each other. Alec Mottier, writing on this passage, says this, prayer is a privilege of all believers and something in which they should rejoice to share fellowship in order that one or the other or both may recover the weaknesses and diseases of the past and enter into a new spiritual health. Now that word one another here, it's it's a very sort of encompassing word. It, It means for the sake of one another, intercede for one another on behalf of one another. It's quite a rich word. And if we look at that quote, it's the kind of way of of bringing God's wholeness and peace and love into a situation. And we're called simply to pray for one another. Is prayer natural in your life? Is it natural to go and do some arm holding for somebody else? Or to get somebody to hold up your arms when actually you're going through a tough time? Is that natural for me? Is that the kind of people we are? Is that who we want to be as a church? Do we want to be people who reconnect with God and reconnect with each other by praying for one another? But what type of healing? What type of healing is James talking about? Well, we've talked about the physical side of healing and and other ways. But you know what? What was Moses suffering when when he had his arms held up? It was just weariness, wasn't it? I think sometimes one of the greatest afflictions we can carry around with us It's just that sense of weariness. Now, George has already touched on New Year's resolutions already, and well done for those two hands that were up that say you're still keeping your resolutions. But we can just get weary, can't we? We can get weary because it's five weeks out um, from Christmas, and it's another five weeks out till spring. And we can just feel like, ugh. But we can get spiritually weary. We can get weary because perhaps we've been battling with things in our lives for so long. We've had false dawns when it looks like God is on the move in our hearts, and then we've backtracked. We can get weary as churches that we just keep going through the same things and actually we long to see more people come to faith in Jesus. And we can just need people to come alongside us and say, I'll hold your arms for you. I'll come and I'll pray with you and for you. And it's that natural thing to do. We may be weary this morning because actually we've just been through three years of pandemic that is still going on. And just this round of illness and things that is happening. We can be weary because we're struggling with all those kinds of things that the prophets of old were struggling with. Relational issues, mental health, bereavement, opposition. We are not immune as followers of Jesus, are we? Jesus says in this life, you will have trouble. But what we do have is we have direct access to God and we also have one another. I sometimes do this, but just look around for a moment. This is our one another. Not a bad bunch, really, when we we look at each other. And this is who we are called to pray with, to support, to love, and to have fellowship with. And all situations can be brought before the Lord. Remember that quote from John Calvin? There is no time which God does not invite himself to us. There is no trouble that is too great to be prayed for or too small to be prayed for. It's everything and anything we pray for. Who's the one another? Well, it's who we've just looked round at. Now, we may start off with saying, well, let's go and pray with the prayer ministry team. That's a great way of that one anothering. But what about making it part of our culture, that it's normal to pray over coffee? That it's normal to pray if you go and say hello to somebody on their doorstep? It's normal to pray over the phone. Does anyone do that? Pray over the phone for one another? 
pray over text. You know, God can read texts. That's amazing, isn't it? Um, all these different things that we can use to pray. And just whatever it is, however it is, say, I'll just pray for you now. Can I pray for you? Can you pray for me? And then we get down to the bottom of the passage and the illustration of Elijah. Prayer changes reality. Elijah prayed and things changed. If he hadn't prayed, well, we don't know. We don't know what God would have done. But like I said at the beginning, so often what we can end up doing is pushing the blessings that God has for us now into eternity and miss out on that sense of shalom, that sense of healing that God would bring. James 4, he's very direct, James, very practical. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Because you've not prayed, God cannot bless you in that way. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. We always pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, but yours. And then it goes that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And it's that sense that, you know, in the church there, that the prayer may have been for the wrong things. But he says, you do not ask, you do not have, because you do not ask. Just back to the lectern for a moment. I hope you can see it over here. Can you see it, George? Is that enough for you? We can see the rubbish. We can see the clutter. And it will be tidy by next week. I might show it you again in the next couple of weeks. Um, but we pray that God will break into some of this stuff, that he will bring his order, that he will bring his peace. I read a book um, a number of years ago, and the book was called The Wounded Healer. And the, the idea of a wounded healer was a term, that the book wasn't by this person, but it was a, a psychologist called Carl Jung who first termed this phrase. But what it means is that actually, as followers of Jesus, we are all living with trouble, We are all to some degree wounded, but through that brokenness, we are called to be ministers of God's healing to other people. And there's a back and two there. Sometimes we're the ones who pray, and we're the ones who hold other people's arms up. Sometimes it's the other way around, and we have to be open to both and. Paul puts it another way in Galatians 6 verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Or quite simply, pray for one another. Pray for one another. I'm just going to leave us with three things just to reflect on for a moment. If the worship team could come forward, that would be great. So am I currently hiding too much and missing out on God's blessing by not praying? Have I got the lectern turned firmly round? Am I not letting anyone in? Am I missing out on the blessings that God would have for me? And then just very practically, how can I help carry somebody else's burdens this week? Who could I pray for this week or pray with this week? And then a more personal question, are there situations which I need to ask others to pray with me? Are there things that actually I know are too much for me to carry, but I'm just not letting anyone else in? And when we do that, we miss out on all that God would have for us. Well, after the service today, and each week now, we do have our prayer ministry team is back up and running. You know, if there's something you want to go and pray with somebody about, please do um, go and pray with just our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But also, you know, if you've got a friend who you've come to church with, or you're, you're sat near somebody you know well enough to ask them to pray for you, that is great as well. You know, let's just be the church that prays for one another and seeks God's blessing over one another. Well, let me pray for us, and then Danny will lead us in a time of response and reflection. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, as we look at some of these one-anothering phrases in the New Testament, it reminds us 
of the blessings of being part of a church family, where you call us to pray for and with each other. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that we can stand firm on your promises and that you are with us in the storms of this life. And Lord, we thank you just for that that illustration of, of Moses and his arms being held up. And Lord, if we need that this morning, give us the courage to turn the lectern of our lives around, to let somebody else in and somebody to minister and pray um, with us. And Lord, where we can be the one who ministers to somebody else, give us the courage to do that. That we could put this passage into practice and see your blessings and your shalom in our lives. And we ask it through and in the name of Jesus. Amen.